0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates athletics. My name is Aaron Morse and this week we look back on the 40-year coaching career of Bates men's lacrosse head coach Peter Lasagna, who announced his retirement earlier today. In his 22 seasons at Bates, Peter became one of the most highly decorated and admired NESCAC coaches. Plus, the rowing teams shined at the New England Championship in some very difficult circumstances, and the tennis teams conclude their regular seasons with thrilling victories. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's rowing team took home the points title Saturday at the New England Rowing Championship, outscoring runner-up Wellesley by nearly 20 points. The second and third Varsity 8s both won their respective grand finals, while the first Varsity 8 finished runner-up to Wellesley by less than a second in its grand final. Sophomore stroke Genesis Bussy rose for the 2V, and she joins the Bobcast as our female Bobcat of the week. You're a sophomore now. Tell me a little bit about when you were in high school. What kind of made Bates the place for you?
1: I was just always super passionate about rowing and I was also super passionate about academics and so I wanted to sort of find a place where I can do both and I don't have to choose between my academic or my athletic um, success and um, I immediately knew that that was uh, going I was going to find that at a division three program and um, I Looked at a lot of D3 schools, but I, I visited Bates, and I just immediately fell in love with the team and the and the academic environment and just everything about it. So,
0: so you mentioned you were passionate about rowing. When did you start rowing growing up?
1: Um, I actually took my first learn to row class in the eighth grade. Um, I rowed um, on the Hudson River um, at this program called Row New York. Um, it, was th- it was this program that basically helped inner city kids um, find their connection to rowing. Um, but then uh, once I spent a year there, I realized that I really was more passionate about the sport and I wanted to go to a more competitive program. So then I went to a club team that I've, uh, I rowed um, there all throughout high school. So.
0: So you're from New York City? Yes, I am. Nice. So what was it like growing up there?
1: (laughs) Um, Really awesome. I think um, I just just generally love cities. I think I just am more of an independent type of person. So I like being able to find my own transportation places and just kind of like scavenging through the streets sort of is like my kind of MO.
0: And so coming up to Maine, had you been to Maine
1: before? I had not.
0: So what was the experience like transitioning from the big city to Lewiston here?
1: Um, I would say it was definitely weird at first because I do not have my license and everyone here seems to know how to drive. So (laughs) going to Walmart or going to like, you know, you know, I, I was always used to either taking the bus or walking and, um, even Walmart's a bit of a far walk across the highway. So, um, it was just like, I guess it was hard, um, to just I was just so used to just going places whenever I wanted to um but um it was it was nice it's nice to kind of have a different environment nice to just be in different um out of your comfort zone so
0: so when you picked up Royan what what made you really want to stick with it like what what do you enjoy most about it
1: um, I think I really liked, um, well, first, rowing is just a very unique sport in, it, in within itself that it just makes you a better person. And I think um, I've gained a lot of um, character traits and just a lot of characteristics based on this sport. Um, but I think it was the drive and the team um, aspect of it. I just really loved that everyone sort of worked together and it wasn't a, you know, because um, I used to swim, so swimming was very much like team, but like you raced by yourself, so you were sort of training with everyone, but it was you were only like really training for your own uh progress, and I love that rowing was just like everyone 's progress or you know every, any individual 's progress is everyone 's progress, and I just really loved being able to lean on everyone for support and not feeling like um not feeling like um I was kind of like on my own in terms of like working or in training and stuff like that.
0: Great. And then obviously last year is a first year. An interesting, um, I'm sure, adjustment to college because it was like un- unlike any other f- coming yeah. year, right, with COVID and everything. And so I think this year's probably been a lot better. I mean, just <laughs> having a regular, a regular, normal season kind of, right?
1: Yeah, no, this year is so much better. I think last year um, everything was just weird because um, obviously of COVID. But I think this year we, everyone is really feeling the team aspect of the sport. Um, I feel like last year everyone was really confused and they kind of looked to upperclassmen, but the upperclassmen didn't really know what was going on either. So everyone was just kind of like in the state of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And so I feel like this year um, we are still, you know, navigating it all together, but it's it's more together last year, you know, because of like, you know, um, the the rules and how many people can be in a room together, you know, it was kind of, like, hard because we had to be, like, in separate little groups. But now we can really be a team. And I get to see everyone on the team every day, which is just, you know, we're so lucky, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but, yeah.
0: So what's the team like? I mean, dynamic-wise, you're in the second varsity eight, but obviously you're it's a big roster overall.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, I, I just love the togetherness. I feel like I get to see everyone. I get to talk to everyone. Everyone is just so nice and they're just so inclusive. It, um, honestly, I'm so happy to be a part of this program because it, it, it genuinely does not matter where you sit in a boat. Everyone is working together. Everyone is doing the same amount of work. Um, and definitely in the winter, you know, it was I was at first kind of sad because we wouldn't be on the water, and I think and I thought that that would change because I haven't experienced a winter season here before. But it was actually like I really enjoyed it because everyone was um, doing the same amount of work together, and I think that's what makes our program so new- unique is that everyone is doing everything together, and I think that's what makes us, you know, a really good a really good team.
0: Were you on the trip to San Diego to start the year? I was. Yes. Uh, what was that trip like for you?
1: Um, it was super cool. I had been to San Diego in high school, but that was with sculling and. And mm. a, a smaller team but this you know this team we were extremely lucky to get to go to san diego and have um three eights for the women's team and um, six eights across yeah. um so i think it was just it was really awesome the warm weather was really nice but i think it really set us up for the season
0: and so were you when your was your high school program your club were they, was it fours was it eights how'd that go kind of and was eights a transition for you at bates or um
1: yeah so my high school team was a lot of sculling we weren't a big um team right. and we also um didn't really do eights as much so mm. we Mostly sculled, um, so it wasn't a big transition because I did know how to I did know how to sweep um, mm-hmm. in high school. But um, I think the I I hadn't really had the whole like boat chemistry. I feel like the boat chemistry is a lot different and the boat feel is a lot different um, in terms of quads and eights. Quads are just so much more faster because there's just you know there's twice the amount of oars and you know. Um, but I think I I've really transitioned to loving eights a lot a lot better.
0: And so you mentioned it doesn't matter what seat you're in, but you have been in the stroke seat
1: <laughs> all year at the two yeah. b
0: So what's that like compared to maybe? other spots in the boat
1: perhaps um yeah i think stroke seat is a very um it's a very special seat and it's very unique and different because i feel like you get to just feel everything in that seat you get to feel um I feel like I can just close my eyes and I would know where everyone was at. You know, you could just feel the boat feel. You can just feel the power. Um, And I honestly, you know, stroke seat is a thinking seat. It's very much, you know, you have to think and you have to go off of what other people are telling you. Um, And I, I I love that. You know, I love having to think about every single stroke i love having to think about what feels good for the boat um and um it was a i hadn't really been a stroke seat like this much before so i really loved um kind of um getting feedback from my teammates um and i think it i think it, it really helped
0: and the 2v of course got the first place spot there at new england's uh helping the women win, win the points title there and take us through that grand final i believe uh You got first, and I think Williams was a runner-up, right?
1: Yes, yes. Williams was two seconds off of us. Yeah. Um, But it was a really great race. I think um, we had really, last week was our uh, speed week. Um, We had, like, doubles every day, um, which I think um, was really key um, in us getting as much speed as we were able to. I feel like um, we've been doing a lot of drill work and a lot of... um, things to help us um gain a lot of speed and i think we really showed that in the grand final um i also think as us as a 2v as a boat kind of made the collective decision to just throw it all out there um i think when we got you know we obviously believes in ourselves, but nothing is, you know, guaranteed. So we were just, um, we made the collective decision as a boat to just flip the switch and go and give it all out there because we never know when we get a chance to roll like that again.
0: Great. And then uh, NIRC is coming up this weekend. I mean, uh, it's probably a pretty similar regatta just because it's the same location, <laughs> yeah.
1: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to be really in the same place, but um, it's going to be um, a couple more NESCAC mm-hmm. teams because it's also um, NESCAC champions yep. um, within, with that within itself.
0: So um, in terms of like, you know, what's the practice schedule like this week? What are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of doubles, yeah, I would say, yeah. you know, but okay. we're going we're gonna, to uh, take advantage of this short-term period because not a lot of um, schools have short-term um, the same time that we do. So um, we're just going to take advantage, and every time that we get to get on the water, we're going to be grateful, and we're going to take advantage of it.
0: Great. Well, Genesis, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really oh, appreciate of it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. On the men's side, the Bobcats overcame a rash of illnesses to send two boats to the New England Championship. Despite makeshift crews that had never rowed together before, both boats qualified for their grand finals, each finishing a respectable fifth. Male Bobcat of the Week and Senior Captain Stephen Sparks breaks down all the changes the team had to make, including one he himself had to adjust to in the 1st varsity 8 boat. Well, Stephen, I understand there were 19 men's rowers who unfortunately could not compete this weekend because yep. of illness. How did you guys adjust?
2: Uh, it was honestly <laughs> just trusting the guys that coach puts in the boat, but it was a little bit of a scramble. Uh, we lost a guy literally right before we got on the bus. So arriving at the race course, we had no idea what the lineups were going to be. Um, but I think we have enough experience in depth and we showed it this weekend that, uh, we could, you know, adjust on the fly and deal with whatever lineups we got. It's so important to, you know, move cohesively as a
0: unit. And mm-hmm. so... When there's new guys coming in at the last minute, what adjustments need to be made, made if at all?
2: Yeah, so typically when everyone's healthy, the 1V's uh, stroke per minute is around 38 for mm-hmm. our racing. And adjusting with different people in the boat, it can go up or down depending on who you add. So basically we take a few practice strokes when we're on the water to adjust. But because we had to change the lineup as we're going down, we didn't have those practice strokes to figure everything out. So it was kind of... During the race, we could guess where we wanted it to be. Um, but it, we were actually kind of, you know, figuring it out throughout the race, figuring out that rhythm. Tell us about the first-year coxswain who
0: stepped up to be the 1V coxswain this weekend.
2: Yeah, so Rowan Cody, uh, she's a first-year, uh, normally in the three, third varsity, um, but totally stepped up. I think the biggest thing for us as the rowers was to give her the confidence and have our put our trust in her. Uh, she's very experienced. Uh, so we had... Really no issues uh, switching her in, um, so we were we were all just trusting that she'd get us down the course, get us there on time, um, and I think we approached it in a very healthy and intelligent manner to not put too much pressure on her, and uh, it ended up being really impressive. She had a great showing.
0: And you had to move to a different seat in the boat, which caused mm-hmm. you to have to row on a different side of the boat. Tell us about yeah. how that works.
2: Yeah, so... In sweep rowing, which is where you just have one oar, mm-hmm. typically you'll go to one side. So port, I go towards the right. Um, and switching to starboard might sound easy, um, and for some it is, uh, but with minimal experience on starboard side, making that adjustment on race day is wild. I had about like 40 strokes to figure my stuff out before racing at you know that 36, 38 pace. Um, and Really, the only difference is rotating uh, out a little bit to a different way and adjusting how you're holding the handle. Um, so, your hands really are what apply the pressure to the oar. You know, it's what you hang off of, and that's how you balance the boat is through your hands, through the oar, and then through your feet and hips. Um, so, it was almost like, in some ways, it's like riding a bike, but instead of when you turn the handle to go right, the, you turn the handle right and the wheel goes left this time. So, there's some uh, similarities, but it, it took a little bit of getting used to. Um, but we we managed, and you know it, everything worked out. <laughs> so I know you
0: got fifth in the grand final, but you had to get yep. to the grand final first, right? And the yeah. heat, so take us through the heat.
2: Yeah, so heats, we knew Williams, who was seated ahead of us, was just going to beat us. So we basically ignored them. Um, and to our right was Wesleyan. And Hamilton, who we had beaten early on this year by about like ten seconds, we beat Wesleyan, Um, so we knew we've beaten them before, so we're faster than them. However, with this, you know, four new uh, rowers, one new coxswain, me on a different side, it was everyone was no one knew what was going to happen. We could, you know, crush them like we did before, or they could beat us. We we had no clue, Um, but at the same time, that also took the pressure off. Uh, there wasn't any expectations, um, which I think allowed us to sink into our groove more. And we were able to get ahead of them right off the start, which I don't think anyone's really expecting, but it's super motivating and allowed us to, you know, stay ahead the entire race. And then got into that grand final and Outrace Trinity, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were behind Trin the majority of the race, but, you know, <laughs> sticking with them, they got about half a boat length in the first 500 meters and... They didn't move since that, and our, and our Cox and Rowan just keeps telling us they're just sitting there. They're sitting there. Let's make moves. let's Take a seat. Let's take a seat. And we take, uh, you know, a seat slowly at a time. But uh, it wasn't until the last, you know, like 20 strokes in the 200 stroke race where we pulled it even and then got ahead at the last second. Um, which I think <laughs> we celebrated fifth place uh, super hard, and I think a lot of the crews knew why. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the the happiest fifth place crew you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> Just because of the adversity we had to face in getting just to the grand final and then being able to beat Trinity is a huge accomplishment for the guys. You know, 19 dudes out, and we were still able to keep the same seating with NESCACs. Like, only Williams and Tufts beat us. Uh, we were able to beat Trinity, keeping our uh, third rank nationally, which is honestly wild. <laughs> I don't know if I was quite expecting that. It was uh, uh, definitely a little... Uh, Surprising, But um, I think we all had a very mature and calm approach to the race, which allowed us to, you know, utilize uh, everything we had and to get to a good spot.
0: And then obviously you're in the first varsity eight. The second varsity eight was in a similar situation as the one yeah. V was. They had to call up guys from the 4V and the 3V to fill out that boat. I mean, how, what can you say about what
2: they were able to do? Yeah, their race is honestly more impressive than ours. <laughs> um, they had, I think everyone was from the 3V except for maybe one or two people where – uh were just from either the 1 or the 2V or the 4V so it probably it definitely averaged out to be just a 3V vote boat in a 2V race which on paper they should get smoked <laughs> but the guys really rose to the occasion they beat same as us beat Wesleyan in the heats making grand finals they barely beat Wesleyan but it was a, such a cool race to watch the guys really uh put everything they had to to get in front Um, And then going to the grand finals, same exact result. They beat out Trinity. We're hunting down Tufts the entire time. And it's, it's super impressive to watch a 3V boat make grand finals of a 2V race, which is really just shows the, the skill and depth that we have as a team.
0: Absolutely. Well, give us a preview of the um, NIRCs coming up this Sunday, um, back at the same location, right? Yep. Yeah, Lake Quinsigamond. And then, um, but hopefully, a a lot of rowers returning, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we should be having rowers returning at various points during the week due to return to play. Um, It's a little bit wild on that end. Um, And the upcoming race, NIRCs, is our IRA qualifier, so national qualifier. and although we think we can do a lot better, considering we'll have you know more guys coming back, and we'll go from 19 guys out to hopefully only a couple. Um, and we think there we can perform at a level to qualify for uh, nationals, to beat some of the crews we lost to the previous week. Um, but it's going to be a little bit of a scramble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have only a few days to figure everything out, especially because uh NRCs typically has tougher competition as well. Uh we get uh more crews like Hobart coming in mm-hmm. uh to race against as well. Uh but I think we should be able to figure everything out in time. I mean, we were able to have zero, you know, practice time in the lineup and get 5th this past weekend. So I'm sure with a couple of days of practice time with everyone coming back, we'll be able to do a lot better. I
0: know I mean, you mentioned before Williams and Tufts are kind of the two crews that have uh, been able to outrace Bates this year. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you'll be squared off against them again this weekend, right?
2: Yeah, so we think we can totally get Tufts this weekend. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tufts, if you're listening. Bolts and more material, though. <no. laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we had a really, really positive result with a crazy mixed lineup against Tufts. Mm-hmm. Although we didn't beat them, we were within striking distance. Yeah. So I think we're all super confident after that. To know that even if we're in the same lineup, we can find the speed we need to beat them, even if no one came back. Mm-hmm. But we know people are going to be coming back and be racing, uh, so we know we're just going to be faster. We're just going to be faster. Um, so we think we can hunt them down and get as close to to Williams as we can.
0: Gotcha. And then, um, you know, as one of the senior captains, how have you been dealing with this from a leadership perspective when you have so many moving parts like this?
2: yeah so you try and stay positive, yeah that's the best thing. you try and be patient, you try and be positive, positive. and it's not always easy you know i at sometimes I have to like be tough on some guys and say we gotta we gotta you know stay as positive as we can, don't look at the bat like the downside of things uh we gotta look at what we can do, and at the same time, some people are saying those things to me, you know in private, I'm definitely not as positive uh as I sometimes show um and it takes guys in the boat, other seniors. To really help me out and keep the positive uh, momentum going.
0: Uh, if you can don't mind uh, being kind of a bracketologist for IRAs here for, yeah. for the D three race, what will it take, in your opinion?
2: Um, it's going to take a m- monumental effort mm-hmm. to win. Um, not, I don't think it's out of the question in any means. Uh, I think we can have the ability to catch Williams and beat them. It's going to be tough. It's going to require, you know, we have three weeks after IRCs to train without races um and i think that'll be a great opportunity for us especially to find speed um considering the whole crazy having everyone out every now and then for this uh past few races um so i think we have a lot more speed to find than williams will um i think we can totally beat tufts uh but it's it's gonna be a tough race it's gonna be a tough race
0: in terms of like actually qualifying for do you think are you guys in a pretty good spot
2: though yeah i think we're gonna be in a pretty good spot um IRA qualifiers is a little bit confusing right. this year. That's what I'm um, asking you. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's definitely not straightforward yeah. as I'd like it to be. Right. Um, we believe at the bare minimum, we have to be top two NESCACs um, and there should be some at large bids. Right. So if we're fast and so if we race next weekend and Tufts happens to beat us mm-hmm. and Williams happens to beat us, mm-hmm. uh, if we're close enough, we should be able to still go. And with those three weeks of training, we believe, you know, we can get that right. extra speed. Um, however we're still shooting for those top 2 spots yeah. so that we don't have to worry about uh, uh those being close enough basically
0: gotcha well that makes sense so we'll keep an eye out for that certainly yeah. so it should be interesting uh, in, in, in ircs uh, I mean, you i mean you've raced there before i mean it's been mm-hmm. a couple years i guess your yep. first year i guess when you last raced there but yep. what what do you remember the experience being like you know compared to new england is it pretty similar or
2: um I think this year will be pretty similar. Uh In past years, uh, there were a lot of crews that didn't go. Mm. So my freshman year, we didn't race against Holy Cross, MIT, Mm. uh, who were there this year, who are tough competition. Um, So really, we're only adding Hobart to the race. So it goes from basically a six tough crews to seven. Um, but with the increased speed that we're going to find this week, I'm not too worried. Hmm. Um, that being said, it is the qualifier, yeah. so we do need to show up, we do need to perform, and you know get as far ahead as we can.
0: Great, great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on New England we haven't got to talk about yet?
2: I'm just super proud of the guys for being able to uh, step up in this crazy situation, you know, perform at a really high level despite all the adversity we're facing. Obviously, the women had a really good day. um, But I think in some ways, we were just as successful finding speed uh, that was running deep within our program uh, and just doing well under these wacky circumstances. All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much
0: for joining us on the Bobcats. I'm looking forward to what you guys can do a little bit healthier here this upcoming Sunday. Thank you. On the tennis courts, the Bates women's team qualified for the NESCAC tournament for the first time since it moved to a seeded format with a 5-4 win over Hamilton Sunday at the Wallach Tennis Center. Senior captain Sydney Burns clinched the win for Bates at number 6 singles. She and fellow senior captain Anna Rosen joined the Bobcast to look back on the win over the Continentals and to look forward to the NESCAC tournament. Well, we got our senior captains here on the Bobcast for women's tennis. Anna Rosen, Sydney Burns joining us, and uh, we're an exciting match Sunday. I mean, Sydney, let's start with you. You got to get the clincher there against Hamilton. Take us through your match.
3: Yeah, it was uh it was such an exciting match. Lots of emotion. Um I won the first set um 6-2 and then I was down in the set, the second set 5-3 and then looking over at everyone, I it gave me such more motivation to just win the second set. Um and I won 7-5. Um it was just such an exciting match and it was we knew going in that it was going to be a tight match, but we didn't knew, we didn't really know how tight it was. Um, it was just really exciting,
0: did you know that if you won you 'd clinch it, or did you find out after
3: I kind of found out after yeah. <laughs> I knew that Joanna won her match and that it was four. We had four points mm-hmm. overall um i didn 't really know, uh, but it was really exciting to find out that my match was the the one that clinched the the final match yeah
0: and Anna were you playing at that time or were you able to watch her at all
4: yeah, I was. I was playing at the same time as Sid. I was actually going into my third set when we were waiting for the third set, um, and Sid won the match, so we knew then that she clinched it, which was really exciting.
0: And coming in, I mean, it was winner goes to the tournament. What's that dynamic like in your mind, you know, you know, having such a significant match there on what was basically your senior day, right?
4: Yeah, it was senior day. The energy was really great. We were just going out there to play some good tennis, We just wanted to do our best, really. I think that making NESCACs was definitely a motivator for us, but we had a great start when we were up 3-0 after doubles, so we were looking good in the start. Uh, we had
0: Sydney on a couple of weeks ago and asked her about being captains with you. And same question for you, Anna. What's it like being captains with Sydney this year?
4: It's been absolutely amazing. Sid has been my rock all throughout my four years here. I honestly couldn't have gone through it without her. I couldn't have imagined being on the team and going through everything. We were actually on the same recruiting visit um, before we came, and she's been just the best person ever. She's so sweet, so kind, and we make an amazing pair, I think, and it's, I wouldn't have wanted to be captains than anybody else. Mm-hmm. What about this
0: pair makes it so special, in your mind?
3: Um, <laughs> like I said, Anna is just so amazing, and uh, just looking over at her during the match especially, she's such a motivating person to watch, and I get inspired by how she really stays in there in all her matches and She's been playing all of these matches. She hasn't had a break at all, really. And just, she's just such a strong, strong person. And you keep switching
0: out doubles partners. You had Laura little Littlefield this past week, uh, on Sunday at least. What was that dynamic like, working with her?
3: Yeah, so we haven't played that much. We played together versus Bowden. Um She has been more of a singles player recently, but just she brings that, that same energy in doubles, and it's been really great. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of alternating between players, um, which I don't mind. I think you you adapt pretty quickly to who you're with. Um, yeah, I really love playing with Salma last time. But playing with Laura is also very awesome.
0: And then Anna, um, I believe what the Bates women won all three doubles matches against Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty nice way to start the match. I mean, w- w- what was it about the team that makes you seems like so strong in doubles this year?
4: I think we've put a lot of emphasis on practicing doubles and practices this year because just we know how important it is. Starting th- up 3-0 in a match, everyone goes into singles with a little bit of a looser mindset. You don't have as much pressure on having to win the matches because you're already up three points. Uh, so definitely, we've been practicing a lot of doubles this year, which has been, uh, I think, a big help. I'm
0: curious about you know NESCAC tournament coming up. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's the first time the women's team has ever made the conference tournament.
3: Yeah, it's amazing to hear that we've. It, this has never happened before in the program, and that it's the first time going to NESCACs ever. Um, We know that we're playing Wesleyan going in, um, which was a really tough match. Um, Yeah, but we're excited to just have fun out there and do our best.
4: It was really close when we played Wesleyan uh, in season, so I think we're all going to go out there. We know who we're playing, and I think it's going to be a really good game. We're going to go out there and grind. Mm
0: -hmm. And what was Coach's message kind of after you, you all pulled out the victory there on Sunday?
4: I think he was just proud. I think there was a lot of emotions in the air. Um, everyone was really emotional and just happy to be all together and closing out this final in-season, uh, in-conference match, which was really good. I think Coach had the boys won before us, too. So I think Coach was happy and just proud of all of us. Yeah,
0: two 5-4 wins on the same day. Pretty exciting day of tennis, right?
4: It was pretty exciting,
3: yeah. The boys' match was also very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And going second after the boys, I think – pumps you up a lot yeah you're like oh wow that was so great we need to do the same
0: now did you have any senior day stuff beforehand or
3: yeah so the girls set up like Wallach really beautifully with balloons and flowers and
4: a little senior Hello. day gifts we had posters they did an amazing job we really felt like just so loved and supported by the team and it was a really really nice gesture of them to set all of that up for us
0: great what are your thoughts you wanted to share on the season so far we haven't got to talk about
3: I think it's been an amazing season, an amazing one to close off on too, Um, a 5-4 match is, I don't know, it's just very, it represents like, how like, how How hard hard we've worked, worked. yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, It's been a really, really long week, honestly, we've had a lot of matches this week, so I'm just really proud of everyone for full sending it this last match because I know how tired it is after we came out of finals and just had all of this tennis we haven't had a break really so it's been it's been really good it was a great way to close off the season.
0: I was gonna say yeah you got to play what two days in a row I mean that's something you got to do most weekends you we also had the midweek matches
4: right? Yeah yes. we, had, we had five matches in a week yeah. which is the most we've had yeah, this whole year.
0: Probably more than you've played the last two years yeah, <laughs> kind of close to probably, it. Probably right? yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Anna and Cindy, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on making the NESCAC tournament here.
4: Thanks thank you so us. much.
0: The men's tennis team also defeated Hamilton 5-4 to on Sunday, and it was junior captain Teddy Coiti clinching the match for Bates at number 4 singles. Bates men's tennis did not have any seniors this year, but Coiti is part of a big junior class that experienced their first full NESCAC season. Well, Teddy, quite the thrilling uh, final day of the regular season for the men's tennis team there on Sunday. 5-4 to over Hamilton. You got the clinching victory. Take us through uh, your match you had there.
5: Yeah, it was a tough one. Um we had it was a really nice day out, so we we got to play outside. Um, I played I won 57564. Five, it was it was kind of a lengthy match. Um it was it was kind of tough because um we've had some illnesses on the team recently um like the flu. So um I just I still have the flu and um, I wasn't at, none of us were at 100% I would say or even close to that. So it was great to just pull through and gut it out. Yeah, so I mean, when you're not feeling well, basically, how do you
0: how do you gut it out? How, what is that process like? Uh, it was
5: it was a battle. It was yeah. definitely one of the hardest things I've, I've done in tennis. Um, I our assistant coach Elliot Potvin was on the court, telling, talking to me and saying like, you got to be telling yourself that you're 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 so tough. You know, you're crazy, you're an animal. Like, he's like, you just really got to believe and just gut it out. So,
0: so were you doing that kind of like, you're tough, you got this, you yeah, got this? I was kind of just
5: repeating <laughs> in my head like, yeah. you know, this is our last match. I got, I it's the last match of the season. I I got I gotta give everything I have. Um, and you know, being captain like um, Nick Forrester, uh, he also had the flu. Also, right. he had a hundred two degree fever the day before, and we missed our Bowdoin match. And we were we were watching us play Bowdoin, and we were like, really wanted to be out on the court. Um, so we were like, yeah, we're, we're gonna play tomorrow. I'll leave it all out there. So,
0: so um, does the team in general? Because there were no seniors this year. Does the team? I mean, must be a big hunger for next year. You probably can't even right. wait for the fall, right?
5: Yeah, we had a we didn't have the season we expected. Um, we had we had some setbacks uh, at the very beginning of the season, um, and we didn't get as many wins as we wanted to. But we have a lot to build off of for next year. You know, we're not losing anybody on the team, so that's something we talked about a lot.
0: It was cool to see some of the younger guys get an opportunity out
5: there, like yeah. um, uh, Paul's out. He he mm-hmm. played pretty mm-hmm. well, didn't he? Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Paul's had he has he uh, he's had some experience in doubles uh, mm-hmm. in Florida. He played for a bit in doubles, uh, but a lot of the freshmen had to step up and yeah. underclassmen. Yeah,
0: and so um you know. Over the investment season, as Paul calls it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the summer, what's going to be your approach to things?
5: So, I think something we talked about directly after the match uh, was just like n- not being set back, just like building off what we have right now. You know, getting a lot of match play in over the summer and in short term, like uh, doing a lot of runs, uh, a lot of lifts, just like just getting stronger, but um, really getting that like competitive mindset. So, we like entering the fall, like we're we don't need to be training to get back to where we are, we are right now.
0: Just in terms of, uh, I mean, the NESCAC and this was your, this was basically your first real season of experiencing yeah, the NESCAC yeah. in terms of tennis, so uh-huh. how would you evaluate kind of the competition you faced?
5: It, it was about as expected. Yeah. Uh, going, I, I know that the NESCAC is pretty um, elite for tennis uh, in the D3 world, so, um, I mean, I, I, when I was being recruited, I looked around the NESCACs, and I, I know how good some of the teams are, yeah. but basically we kind of thought that's like, our... After afterthought was that no team really scared us. Like there was no team that really thought that was much better than us. Like we we lo- we had losses, but we weren't like swept off the court. I feel like. Well, yeah, there were some really close ones. I know. I mean, sure. some you For know sure. you had some three set battles. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, and we, something that we uh, we think that is a big strength of ours is our dou- is our doubles play. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. Nick and I were talking how there was no no team out there that the doubles like were better than us. We think we have the best. Best doubles in NSCAC.
0: And you had a new doubles partner on Sunday, right? You've been, you've been Nick, been Nick yeah, and I played Knit, on Knit. Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were
5: the uh, we were the little flu team. Uh we we, <laughs> and you we won. Yeah, we won. Yeah, yeah. We, we were uh, we were we were kinda laughing in the middle of the match. We were like, Oh my god, this is a disaster like we ended up winning. We pulled we pulled it through. Um but yeah, it was great. We never really played before, so
0: yeah. So how do you how do you build that chemistry real quickly, even though you, you were both sick and had never played together?
5: <laughs> uh, I mean, Nick and I are really good friends. Yeah. I mean, we have we have a great connection on and off the court. Uh, we hit, we've hit we hit a lot together, so we know each other's games, our strengths and weaknesses, and we just try to play as simple doubles as possible. Um, yeah.
0: And then you guys played first on Sunday, right? And then the women play after right, you? Right. Yeah, and so um we'll like to see them also get a five four win. Uh it
5: was it was pretty cool. They didn't have the uh the clinch that like we had. They <laughs> were up um they are actually up five zero after Yeah. They were, they were up 5-0 in the beginning of the match, and then they ended up losing four of the matches. So it was a different atmosphere, right. but it was still a really gutsy win for them, too.
0: Yeah, because in your situation, and there were basically, like, what, two matches going on at once, kind of? And so you had to win one of those, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
5: <laughs> basically. What was the
0: celebration like when you got the victory there?
5: Uh, I didn't expect—I didn't know I was a clinching match. Okay. So I, I finished it, and I looked my, my team was on the court next to me, and I looked over to them, and they all started running towards me. I guess I was like, I was like, wait, what's going on? And, <laughs> I guess I was the clinching match, so <laughs> it was pretty cool. There's, um, It's happened a lot. When we played Trinity, they, they stormed the court after they beat us, and that, wow. that really hurt yeah. to see that, but it was really cool to experience that. Yeah,
0: Great. What are your thoughts you want to share on either the past match or the season as a whole?
5: Uh, I'm really looking forward to next season. I mean, I think we didn't have the season as we expected, as I said, but, um, I mean, our team is super close. We, we're so talented. We're, we're really good, um, and I'm, I'm just excited to see what, what, what next year comes
0: Junior captain, soon-to-be senior captain, Teddy Coady, thanks for so much. Yeah, thank you very much. On Tuesday, longtime Bates men's lacrosse head coach Peter Lasagna announced his retirement after 22 years as a Bobcat, including assistant at head coaching stints at his alma mater, Brown University. He's coached men's lacrosse for 40 years. And he took the Bobcats to new heights in 2017 when Bates became the first and so far only team to go 10-0 in NESCAC play, rising at one point to number one in the nation. He also made a huge impact off the field, making sure his players were active in the Lewis and Auburn community. And today, Peter Lasagna joins the Bobcast. Well, Peter, first of all, I mean, 22 years here at Bates. I just wanted to know, like, you know, how have you seen things stay the same or perhaps change over those 22 years during your time here as a Bobcat? I just think I've seen
6: the expectations uh, for the program change. And uh, in in all positive ways, you know, I mean, I think when I got here, the mission was more sort of narrowly defined. Let's beat some NESCAC teams that we've never beaten before. Um, And you have to remember that it was relatively new, the whole concept of full NESCAC round robin play, was a very new concept. It really started with the, the NESCAC tournament, which was happening right around when I was arriving here. So when I got here, um, I had to learn that there actually were a bunch of NESCAC teams that Bates had never played or had only played a couple times and never defeated. So um, that's where we started, uh, you know, just, just believing and learning that we could beat every team in this league. Um, and so I've just seen sort of gradual increases from there in terms of what we thought was possible and what the expectations were. I mean, you know, I'm a simple man. I came here, Middlebury was winning the national championship, it seemed like, every year, so it seemed rational to me to come take a job uh, (laughs) where one of the teams in the league was doing that. That's what we should aspire to do, just like those were our aspirations at Brown, and so um, gradually creating more and more of those aspirations obviously probably peaking with that you know some of those 2015 2016 2017 obviously uh teams and and a couple of those after where we went into every season competing for the NESCAC and and NCH championships and uh, I guess those are probably the 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 biggest changes that I have seen and the NESCAC's only gotten better uh so it's only gotten harder (laughs) to try to achieve those goals
0: you've coached so many players obviously during your time as as head coach of the bobcats um who are some of the guys maybe just a couple who maybe your favorite stories perhaps of players here at bates who you'll look back fondly on you know 10 20 years down the road
6: yeah there's a million of them i, I would say but i have to start because i really think it sort of started um our era uh, uh since i've been here were were two guys who were um in the first class that i recruited uh in 2005 and and that would be danny ross and peter friedman and the reason why i start with them aaron is because again they were two members captains in my first recruiting class so that 2005 team was the first time that i had four classes of people that we had recruited um and we got to the NESCAC final four would be bowden at bowden became at that time and and this was actually true for a long time i don't know when this finally would have snapped but we were for a long time the only NESCAC team that won an away first round NESCAC tournament playoff game. Um, it just, if you look at the data, just that doesn't happen very often. That's why you want to be a high enough seed to, to, to host the game. So for those guys, you know, they believed in Bates. They believed in Bates across. They believed in Lewis and Auburn. They believed in me and, and our staff. You know, they had lots of other options. They were great students and very good players from New Jersey and Maryland, respectively. And they and their classmates decided to jump in um, with the new Bates coach. And so for them to be able to help move their teammates and the program to a place where we were winning a first round NESCAC playoff team against a great established NESCAC team, Bowdoin, at their place, and then advancing to the Final Four at Middlebury, the the, the New York Yankees of, of, of the league at the time, if you will. Um, like, I'll never forget those men. And I've stayed connected, not Coincidentally, I've stayed very connected to both Danny and Peter um, and a number of guys of that era, but, but of those guys in particular. And, and then, yeah, I mean, I just think you sort of, you jump around to, you know, and Ryan O'Connor, Ryan O'Connor was an All-American in 2006, um, was definitely determined to go to an Ivy League school and, and decided that Bates was the best option, made me look really smart by just being a, 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 an incredible defender. And he and BJ, BJ was the first guy that got drafted by the Cannons um, had, had, had a little bit of time with them. So that's very, those are significant, uh, markers. Um, you know, Pat Goggin, the first All-American that we ever had, uh, Aaron Sells, my first captain. Um, and again, yeah, they, they, they just, there are a lot of tender moments. Um, that first team 2015, uh, led by Jack Strain, Connor Henry, those guys, um, when Charlie and, and Kyle and, uh, and that whole class of 2017s were sophomores, um, I mean, that was significant. I, I did not think, Aaron, when I came here, when Holly and I came here, that it would take me 15 years uh, to figure out a way to get the Bates Across Team into NCA NCAA tournament. Um, but that was incredibly gratifying. Uh, you know, those those home playoff games, winning NCA playoff games uh, on Garcelon Field. I mean, you know, Jack Allard, everything that he did um, for us. You know, I was going through all this stuff recently, as you tend to do at this time of life. Uh, and realize, wow! Jack Allard led us in scoring. I don't know, three years in a row, four years in a row. This skinny little guy from uh, Ridgewood. Um, so yeah, and I mean, there are a lot of special people: Clark Jones, um, Burke Smith, that group. Um, you know, the 2019s. Seeing Andrew Small and, and Matt Cullerher and Stephen Bull show up on Senior Day uh, when we just beat Con was really special. And 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 you can imagine, man, since Wednesday night. I've heard from a lot of people, and it was great to remember that uh, we have we have had lacrosse uh, for other years at base besides just 2022, so it was nice to
0: uh, to hear from uh, a lot of those people that I just mentioned. Well, you, you touched on the 2017 team. I mean, that team remains, I believe, right, the only nascar team to go through the regular season 10-0. I mean, what made that season so special? What made that team so special? Obviously, I know the, the, all, the All-Americans uh, helped certainly with that,
6: right? It really, it really does help. It, it it turns out we are all better coaches with, with first-team All-Americans uh, at, at every position, um, w- without question. I mean, that, just that recruiting class came together in a way that, you know, I mean, was magical, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, but yeah, you start with, you know, Freddie Ulbrich and Kyle Weber and, and Charlie Fay, I mean, quite literally, attackman, midfielder, defenseman, first team All-Americans, you know, best at their position in the country, maybe uh, that's a great place to start. And then the complimentary, I mean, people maybe don't remember that Jake Walsh and uh, Andrew Melvin uh, were also All-Americans. Scott Baber, I think, made all NESCAC or all New England. Um, Clark Jones uh, should have gotten uh, honors that year as well. He had to wait. He had to wait a year. But yeah, those were just grown men. Um, who came in to hear extraordinary athletes. I, I had nothing to do with that. That was that was them and their parents. Um, but as you and I have talked about before, when your best players, and in their cases, senior captain leaders, are also your most invested, hardest working players so that the younger guys are seeing, you know, Kyle Weber shooting at seven o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday and Freddie Ulbrich and Charlie Fay in the weight room lifting you know, most nights and uh, they're the most competitive people at practice. When your best players are your most competitive and hardest working people and they're incredibly talented, really good stuff happens. You know, and I forget, Aaron, and I think maybe many of us forget because he wasn't an All-American. Sam Francis uh, was dominant uh, facing off um, for a, a lot of those games. And again, I'm going back through things and going, Holy smoke. Sam Francis had years where he was 56, 57, 58%. Like that's fantastic. <laughs> and, and the level of competition that he was doing it against. Uh, yeah, no, those guys are special and, and they loved the good fight. Um, they just loved the good fight. And like all, like all great lacrosse players do. And so again, you think of some of those games, you, you, you were at most of them, you know, but you think about some of those Tufts Bates games, uh, games in those days and Tufts Wesleyan games in those days, I mean, it just couldn't get really much more fun than that. I'll never forget uh, saying to Charlie Fay at one of those ones that we won um, at Bates. So I can't remember if that was his junior or senior year when we beat Tufts by goal. And Charlie scored the game winner from the ground somehow. And in the huddle, I, I the thing that came to me was, you know, that's got to be one of the best lacrosse games that's ever been played on this field. And Charlie politely interrupted me and said, uh, no, coach, it's the best the best, most exciting game that's ever been played on the field. So I, uh, I, I stood corrected. But you know those they were they were special people and special leaders. And again, for the younger guys, um, you saw what it meant to them, and so you were excited to come out to practice um, every day. And yeah, so I, I will I will be my version of um, the 1970 whatever, uh, 71, 72 whatever Miami Dolphins uh, that sit around anytime there's going to be an undefeated uh, NFL team. Um, and, and root for that not to happen. So I will be actively rooting, uh, including against some of my best friends in the league um, to to keep us the, the only undefeated uh, NESCAC regular season team.
0: Certainly. And then um, for you, obviously, off the field is very important as well, you know. You know, molding good citizens and whatnot, and and community service. And uh, what are some things you're really proud of? You're able to achieve with your teams, perhaps away from Garcelon. Yeah, no,
6: you're right, and those things are are super important to me. Um, as you know, I mean, when Holly and I came here, we didn't come here to just work at Bates College. Um, and and she obviously worked at the Harwood Center for the first fifteen years that we we're here. We came to invest in all parts of Bates and in all parts of this community, and and so part of why we wanted to live in this community and not in uh, Portland or one of the other great, you know, suburbs of of Portland, um, which are fantastic places to live, but we wanted to send our kids to public school and and invest in this community, and so um, getting connected to to all manner of, of community service um, things, being in classrooms, a lot of that happened through the Harwood Center and, and Holly was obviously super helpful there when, when she was there. And then with all the people uh, in the years that she's left, we've stayed connected. Uh, there are connections to safe voices, um, making young 18 to 22 year old lacrosse playing men um, aware of issues around uh, surviving domestic violence um, and learning nonviolent conflict resolution with all the relationships in your life, but uh, you know especially with, with your partners. Um, I think that's critically important. Again, I'm, I'm trying to make them the best lacrosse players that we can make them. But my mission is to help them become at least slightly better men um, and prepared to go be agents of change um, and positive action people out there, global citizens, you know. And so I, I think that work with survivors of domestic violence uh, matters a lot. Um, that's how you are formed as an 18 to 22 year old. Maybe you'll go out there and be a better father, um, a better uncle, a better brother, uh, a better advisor to somebody else. Um, so th- those things are, are critically important. Um, you know, getting behind the Clark family. When uh, again, uh, you feel good about what you do when players decide to do this stuff on their own. When, when the Clark family lost Taylor Clark a few years ago and, and Andrew small and Matt Kelleher and, uh, Cooper Clark and all those guys got together to, to start um, a touch football uh, tournament uh, in in Taylor's honor and to give those those proceeds to save voices. Um, it's super meaningful. Our, our time at the Good Shepherd Food Bank. Uh, I mean, again, I, the most satisfying thing, Aaron, is to be driving around, you know, driving on the bus or or, or in a van on the way to, to Webster School or whatever, and hear kids talking in the back about things I don't even know about um, that they're just doing because they're engaged uh, citizens, You know, I'll never forget, I think I've shared the story with you before when Jack Allard uh, came in and suggested to me that the whole team get their run in on this fall, whatever day it was, uh, to go support Ben Chin, um, who there was a rally in support of on, on Main Street in Lewiston. Uh, again, these are things that you might not think of uh, a lacrosse team being moved to do, but but our, our, the work we've done in the last couple of years around anti-racism and social justice, Aaron, uh, again, I've been at this for 40 years. I've never seen lacrosse players have the conversations that, that these young men have had uh, and that they have initiated. Um, it's incredibly meaningful. Uh, it's, it's way beyond just just winning, uh, winning and losing games for sure. And I'm really proud of the fact that we leave here, I, I think with maybe the most diverse men's lacrosse team, uh, certainly in the NESCAC, maybe in all of division three, but maybe across all three divisions. And again, if you ask me things that I am proud of that we've accomplished here, um, those those are some of the things that I'm really proud of that, that are going to outlast me. That's who these young men are. Um, right. And they're attracted debates and attracted debates across because we say those things matter uh, in the recruiting. So that'll, those things will all outlast me. So what's next for you coach? <laughs> well, Aaron, I am, I am trying to, after 40 years of barely being in charge of my own daily schedule, uh, happily, happily having my daily schedule dictated by uh, this game that I've always tried to honor. So one of the most important things to me, Aaron, through all this work, whether it was that as a lowly assistant starting off uh, at Brown University with Coach Starja and all the other great. And that's the other thing I want to just mention is is how, of course, I've been fortunate to coach a bunch of the best players in the world and in the history of both Brown and Bates lacrosse. Um, Thank you all for for your commitment and, and for making me look smarter than I am. Um, But I've also gotten to work with just extraordinary assistant coaches and compete against a bunch of the best people who have ever coached this game. So I've had an incredibly, I mean, who gets to do what they love to do for 40 years um, uninterrupted, not many people. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. This game literally got into me when I was six years old. Uh, I don't predict that it will let go. Uh, I will find ways to stay connected. Um, I have an opportunity perhaps uh, to work with Corey Hinton Um, who has been working for a number of years. He does a number of things with indigenous uh, tribes in Maine. I I can't imagine many more uh, fun retirement things uh, to try to jump into um, than that. So I'm gonna enjoy being with my wife. Uh, I've I've given 40 years of my life to to other people's children um, and to the game again, happily and joyfully, but it's time for me to start giving some of that time uh, back to Holly who so graciously gave hers up uh, with, with Deacon and Carmen for all this time. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's no end to what we're going to do. It's pretty fun to wake up and go, who that we love most do we want to see today? Uh, and where and where in the country in the world do we want to be? And, and again, how can I stay connected to lacrosse um, in as many ways as I can uh, without, without being the, the coach at Bates? So um, there's plenty of, do, pl- plenty of needs out there in the world. Aaron, I think as well that, that Holly and I have some skills that maybe we can help with and, uh, and, and help lift some people up. So. Um, I'm really excited about, uh, I mean, um, um, it is bittersweet, certainly, to see this, what's been 40 years of my life, uh, this part of it
0: end. But
6: we're really excited about the next chapters as well.
0: All right, Peter Lasagna, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. And uh, congrats again on uh, retirement. Thank you, Aaron. I hope
6: we have created some special Bates lacrosse memories for you as well. You've been right in the middle of of many of the best. So thank you for all of your work uh, covering and promoting us.
0: In other Bates Athletics news this week, a pair of women's track and field athletes claimed all NESCAC honors for top three finishes at Saturday's NESCAC championships. Junior Jill Richardson took third in the 10,000 meters, and senior captain Amanda Kaufman ran her best non win 8100 meter hurdles ever, taking third place as well. Meanwhile, the baseball team held senior day at Leahy Field, and the Bobcats split a doubleheader with rival Bowden. And the softball team wrapped up its year with a doubleheader split Monday at Southern Maine. A reminder, you can keep up with all your favorite teams at gobaitsbobcats.com and on the Bates Bobcats mobile app. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, right.